We're good. All right, all right. So it's good. So, uh, yeah, um, it's going to be good. It's been an awesome service. Um, yeah, Pastor asked me last last Sunday night, and it's funny because Pastor he gives me a lot of opportunity here, you know, just to grow in some of the things God's calling. I know it's a, there's a lot of preparation going on on the inside, but I got to talking with Katie this week. I'm like, you know what? I've I've never. Um, one time, a few years ago, well, this is many years ago, six or seven years ago, the pastor was going out of town. He said, hey, uh, you know, if you would minister for me on Sunday, and I want you to minister on a specific topic. And I, I, I just got up here that Sunday, and I just went off on my own topic. And, like, you know, because I'd never been used to, like, hammering down that certain thing. You just kind of sit there in the presence of the Lord, and, and all of a sudden things start just coming up to the surface, and that's just what you minister on. So learning to like hit on a certain topic, and then I realized this week, man, well, I've never ministered on communion. Um, so, Lord, I need, I need some help, you know. So um, I've never really studied the topic, so I've spent this week really just, just spending some time with Holy Spirit. You know, part of me, there was, there was part of me was like, I don't know if I should do it because I just don't, I don't really feel like I can present it as probably the way it needs to be presented. But then, then the Lord loves to remind us, is like, everything that you need is in you. Like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3 that all of the mysteries of God have been revealed. And He's revealed them to us through His Son. And Paul would say, he'd say things like in Ephesians 3 in the message, he says, Now here I am, preaching and teaching about things that are way beyond my understanding. And you have to realize, like, it's not about us understanding it before we can walk in it, before we can receive it, before we can experience it. The Bible says that by faith we understand. See, the problem is sometimes we get twisted up. We're trying to figure it out so it'll work. That's not how the kingdom functions. See, in the kingdom, it starts working, and as it starts working and we start walking, we start understanding. You don't wait to, un- you don't wait to receive it until you've understood it. You receive it, and then you get a season of understanding what it was God did. If it was always about you figuring it out so God could do it, we'd all be in trouble. But by faith, we understand. Faith comes before understanding. See, it's the way of the world to understand it so that you can believe it. It's not how the kingdom works. You believe it, and then in that belief, in that childlike faith, in you just simply trusting it because God said it, you begin to understand what exactly He meant when He said it. But you're already walking in it. You're walking in the truth. You're walking in the reality. How did you get here? I don't know. Where exactly are you? I really don't know, but this is reality. This is what God said it was supposed to be. How did the healing come? I don't know. It just happened. How did the finances get there? I don't know. They just happened. That's just how the kingdom works. It just happened. Because the Bible says that He delights in showing mercy. Mercy is to give us what we just don't deserve because He delights in it. He's a God of delight. And He loves giving His children things because He just loves giving. Paul just talked about that. God told us His blessed to give. Paul said in Acts, He said, The Lord Himself told me, the Lord Jesus told me, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Therefore, God's heart in the whole entire matter is, I, God, looks down and say, Wow, I get more excited to give you things than I get excited to receive things. It's the heart of the Father. That's who He is. And it's all about just learning to receive what it is He's already given. It's learning about how to open the package, even though you don't fully understand how to use what's in it. 
We want to know how to use it before we actually function in it. We want to know how to use it. We want to know everything about it before we just open it up and enjoy it. And God's like, just open it up. Enjoy it. Play with it. Just do whatever you want to with it. We'll talk about how everything works as you're using it. As you're enjoying it, we'll talk about how it happened. We'll talk about all that stuff, right? So we're walking in the kingdom. We're not trying to figure out how to walk in the kingdom so we can experience it. He wants us to experience the kingdom so we can learn to walk in it even more. We have to open ourselves up to how the kingdom functions. By faith, we understand. And Jesus said, he said in Luke, when he was sitting with the disciples, he said, with desire, I have desired to have this meal with you. With desire, I have desired. The Message Bible, it says it like this. It says, uh, when it was time, he sat down. He sat down, all the apostles with him, and he said, You have no idea how much I have looked forward to eating this Passover meal with you before I enter my suffering. It's the last one I'll eat until we all eat together in the kingdom. But when he says, you have no idea how much I have looked forward to eating this meal with you. With desire, I have desired this time. What was it? Why was Jesus looking so forward? Because he also knew what he was getting ready to endure. But he wasn't functioning and looking at the, what he was about to endure. Right at that moment, he was looking with desire. I have been so looking forward to this moment right here. And it was because Jesus knew this was the last time this Passover was ever going to mean what it meant at that moment. Things were about to shift in the world. Things were about to shift in the kingdom. Things were about to change. And people were about to just learn to live expressively in the kingdom of God. And this was the last meal that that was ever going to mean what it meant. We, had a, we, 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 didn't, we did a, a Seder meal um, for, for Passover. I guess that Friday night would have been Passover. We, we experienced, uh, Claire, her dad did a Seder meal. And it was awesome. It's fun to experience what those people experienced. But the fact that as we were sitting there doing the Seder meal, like, like it took about two hours and there's these things we read. And then we, I mean, at one time you would get up and you would open up the door and you would look to see if Elisha was coming because they said that he would come before the coming of the Lord, you know, all these things. But listen, we don't have to do that anymore because he's come. He's done what he came to do. And me and you are living right now in the kingdom of God. And we need to just believe it and just receive it and just walk in it. We'll understand it as we walk. We'll understand it. You know, it's just, it's learning. And I even believe right now, as we're getting ready to take communion, listen, it's just about receiving. And, and it's the mercy, it's the mercy of the Father. It's the mercy. Behold, it is, it is His good pleasure to give us the kingdom of God. It is His heart's desire. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So even right now as we're talking and as we're ministering and as we get ready to partake in communion, just, just like if you have an issue, like, like if, if there's something going on in your body, if there's something going on in your mind, just check yourself as we're ministering, right? Just start to check yourself. Uh, check, pull your phone out. Check your bank account. Whatever's going on, right? Just start to check yourself, you know, because we're ministering and it's what communion is all about. And I know we've we've in religion, um, we've we've turned like communion into this this. Sometimes it could be like this scary thing, like people are almost scared to take communion because of the way well, if you don't if you don't, you know, honor it like it's supposed to be honored, you'll you'll get sick and you'll die because Paul said that in. First Corinthians chapter 11, he said, some of you hadn't been doing it like you're supposed to be doing it. And that's why you're sick. And that's why the others are dead. And that people like don't understand why he was saying those things. And listen, it's so important. 
the Word says, and this is another part of why Jesus came to do what He did, like so that we all can study to show ourselves approved unto God. People that don't need to be ashamed that they've believed a lie their whole life. But they have learned to rightly divide the Word of God. Listen, if there's a right way to divide the Word, there's a wrong way. And you want to know one of the most challenging books, and some of the, in my opinion, some of the most craziest religious teachings have come out of the book of Corinthians? But see, you've got to understand, just, just a little side note, why Paul said some of the things he said to the church of Corinthians. So see, Corinthians, the book of Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, was actually in response to a letter that he had received from the Corinth. You know, we've heard people like, well, Paul said it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Y'all have ever heard that? Has anybody ever heard that? Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Actually, Paul didn't even say that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in your response to the letter that I just received from you, that it's good for a man not to touch a woman, here's what I think. And he begins to explain it. See, why? See, actually, Paul didn't tell men that it was good for them not to touch a woman. The Corinthian church was actually going around, it's actually the best thing to do is just to not touch women. Why would they say that? Well, because that church, that church had just come out. They lived in Ephesus. They were from Ephesus. And in Ephesus, they worshipped the goddess Diana. And, and in Ephesus, the way you worshipped the goddess Diana was you would go to the temple and you would perform sacrifice by having sex with a prostitute. That was how you worshipped the goddess Diana, was you would have sex with a prostitute. Right? And women were literally worshipped, literally worshipped in Ephesus. They were above the law. Like, literally, do your study. Women could literally kill a man and not be in trouble because women were looked on as goddesses. Every woman was looked on as a goddess. And every man was looked on underneath woman because woman was a god. And the way you served Diana was you would have sex with a prostitute. That was how that culture was. So when they were redeemed out of that mindset, what's the first thing they would do? They lived in a culture, they were, they were chained by this, this false lie that, that, that women were worshipped and, and that they were above everything and that this is, that we worship, we worship their God in sex. They get out of, out of the light. You know what? It's just, it's just best. We just don't even touch them anymore. Let's just not even touch women. That was their mindset in Corinth. In the church. And Paul's coming and he's right. Listen, here's a response to your letter. Like when he said, what do you do in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? And I'm going with that, with, with, with what he's talking about. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when he said, you, you're, you, you've done what you've done with, with the Lord's Supper. And that's why many of you are, 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 are sick. And that's why many of you, because you have to understand, the Corinth church, man, they were, like he said, it's good that, uh, um, that, that, it, he said, it's, I grew up because I went to a Christian school and they actually gave this on the handouts, man. And I'm like, well, it's in the Bible. It doesn't make sense, but it's in the Bible. But it was like, it was a shame for a man to have long hair. And it's a shame for a woman to have short hair. And I'm like, well, man, and it does say that. Paul said it in, in first, first Corinthians chapter 11. He says, it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And it's a shame for a woman to have short hair. And people use that as a doctrine. They, they passed that out of some schools to try to keep you from your, your hair touching your ears. And I'm like, well, it's in the Bible. 
Well, we talked about that last time. Job said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Is that in the Bible? That's in the Bible. But I want to know why it's in the Bible. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean I should take it at face value and, 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 and allow my life to be built around that truth. You want to know why Paul said that it's a shame for a man to have long hair and it's a shame for a woman to have short hair? Because in that culture, in that culture, when a man grew out his hair, and apparently they weren't, if you study it, apparently the men weren't taking care of their hair. In that culture, if you had leprosy, here's what you did. You grew your hair out and you didn't take care of it because it was a sign to the rest of the world to stay away from you because you had leprosy. So don't wear your hair long in the culture. You need to go out and tell people about this good news gospel. And if you're going to go out in long hair, they're going to stay away from you because they're going to think you have leprosy. So don't wear your hair long. Why did he tell the women not to wear short hair? Because the prostitutes were to shave their heads. It was what showed everybody that they were a prostitute of the temple. So don't shave your head. People are going to think you're one of the prostitutes. And you can't tell the good news gospel to people that want other things from you because your head's shaved because they think you're part of the temple ministry. Listen, my point is understanding the Word, man. It's understanding. Why, Paul? Like, when he said it's good for a, a woman that they should be silent in church. Well, why did he say that? He said that in Corinthians. You know why? Because when he changed the culture and men, they were starting to transform their minds, women at that time, could you imagine... Could you imagine you had just come out of that culture, you come into church, in your mind, women, you're still God. Your mindset is still as a God. And when somebody says something as they're ministering and you don't believe it, well, you're a God. You can just stand up and tell them what you think about it. And that was what the church of Corinth was going through. Women were just getting up in the middle of the service and arguing with the people that were saying stuff because their mindset had not yet been transformed and they were arguing with the people and they were saying, and Paul's like, you know what, women, just, just, it just, it's just best to be silent in church. And if you have any questions, go home and ask your husband. He wasn't saying the whole church women should be silent. Man, the gospel has empowered women. Why would Paul look in, in Galatians and say, in Christ, there's no man or woman in Christ? But we're all, listen, my point is, is when we, when, when, when we have the word, we all, because of what Jesus has done, because of what we're getting ready to do here in a few minutes, we all have the same spirit in us that can teach us these things instead of just believing a bunch of junk that we've always heard because it's always been taught. You know how many churches suppress women because Paul said that women should be silent in church? Stop being ignorant. Why did he say that? Because of the culture of that day. Women were, 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 were still working it out. The women in the church were still... Come on. The, read what, what Paul went through with the Corinthians. It was probably his toughest batch of, of, of church folks that he ever, ever, ever had dealt with. But you want to know one thing? The, the book of First and Second Corinthians has the word righteousness of God in it more than any other letter that he wrote to any other church. So yeah, he, he confronted the problems that they had, but even in the midst of it, the way he got them out of what they were in was by reminding them of who they were and what they had. And it's because of what we're getting ready to do 
We all are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, like, like you, 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 need, you need to examine yourself, especially in these last days, that you're not just believing a bunch of stuff because you've always heard it, because it's in the Bible. Come on. You have the same spirit of faith. You believe, therefore you speak. You have that spirit that wants to search the Scripture. You have the spirit of discovery. You shouldn't be letting somebody else tell you what truth and reality is. The Holy Spirit should be telling you what is truth and what is reality. And you should... God's heart is for man to confirm in your life what God's already been saying. Every time I've received revelation from a man, from hearing a man speak, it came because I was studying that in my, in my time with God. And then as I was studying with my time with God, He would use somebody to say something that He was teaching me. And when that person said it, it connected the dot of what God had already been saying. And all of a sudden, I'm walking in revelation, which means God the Father Himself has revealed it unto me. That's the way we should all be living. You need to examine everything you believe. And throw it out, man, if it doesn't line up with what Holy Spirit says. Amen. We all have Google, man. We can all Google what church was like in Corinth. Why Paul said the things he said. Because here's the thing was, going back to the Lord's Supper, what was happening was, Paul got this letter, and, the, and, and whoever, maybe the pastor of the Corinth church said, Paul, you got to help me, man. These guys are coming together at the Lord's table. Uh, the, the, the love feast is what they called it. And man, like the, the rich guys, they run up in front of the line, and they're eating all the food, and they're getting drunk. And then the people that don't have much get to the line, and there's, there's, they're starving, and there's nothing left to eat. So we got some people bloated and drunk on the floor and other people just upset and wanting to go home. I need help. And Paul said, look, look, listen, listen, listen. And he goes into and he goes into this letter. And I just want to get you guys understanding what's going on here. He says, let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper. So Paul's like, all right, listen, let, let, let's talk. I, I, we've already talked about this once. And you can go to the is anybody running the thing up there? It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. No, it's okay. I should know. So, I'll read it in the message. Oh, let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. How many of you know that what we're getting ready to do is central, centrally important? It is the center of everything we, have, we believe, everything we are, everything we have. This right here is central of who we are. It's central. Why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the Master Himself and passed them on to you. There again, there you go again, Paul receiving instruction from Jesus. Listen, we, we lift Paul up to this place like he was, accomplished so much. But Paul didn't have any spirit in him that you and I don't have. He didn't have a greater spirit of revelation. He didn't have a, a better connection with God. He just learned how to function in what he had. And what he has, you have. What he has, I have. What he knows, you and I both know because we have the mind of Christ. We have the very spirit of God on the inside of us. Paul didn't have anything in him that me and you don't have. Don't lift Paul up above a place that you don't feel like you can go. Because I'll tell you right now, Paul's, Paul's ceiling is your floor. Paul's ceiling should be your floor. Is that right? Did I say that right? 
Paul's ceiling should be your floor. So he says, the master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, he took bread, having given thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember what happened. And after supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solely realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the Master. Listen, every time we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we are reenacting the sacrifice of Jesus. We are reenacting the sacrifice. We are going back to the cross and reenacting the sacrifice of Jesus. I was reading something this morning. Communion is um, the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts or feelings. I can only imagine the intimacy that, that was going. Like, Jesus called it suffering. But what was really going through his mind when they were nailing him to the cross? I don't think it was, oh, this hurts. I know it hurt. It had to have hurt. But isn't it interesting that with every stroke of the hammer, he would yell out. And the Bible says this. I read this in the Passion last week. We talked about it in Wednesday night. It says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He did not say that one time. That It actually gives a picture of a continual, continuous saying, Father, forgive them. Father, every time they nailed it, they nailed a nail. Every time they swung the hammer, Father, forgive them! Every time, every time they swung it down, every single, every time, every lash that hit him on his back, Father, forgive them! And we're getting ready to reenact what it was. And this is why Paul, because the Corinthians were getting together and they were just like, didn't care about anybody else. They weren't looking at it as holy. They weren't re- 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 having it in reverence or the fear of God, the respect and holding it. And they were treating it, they were treating it disrespectful. But listen, listen, they knew. They knew what it was all about. They completely understood it. I can't say I'm even there yet. No, I'm not there yet. Communion, the, the, the sharing or exchange of intimate thoughts or feelings, especially when the exchange is mental on a mental or spiritual level. But it's also it's a, the, the bread. The, the bread here that we're about to partake in and the, and the juice, the wine, has been consecrated this morning. It's consecrated. And there's power. Sometimes you just need to touch something. Sometimes you just need to feel something. And the mercy of God is here this morning. that touch and that feel that you need. We're, we're going to take this, this communion and it's been consecrated. Listen, listen, this, this, this drink, as you hold it in your hand, it has this morning, by the Spirit of God, been set apart and made holy for your taste. Because it represents the blood that was shed. This 
These, these wafers have now become the very flesh of the, of, of, of the Son of God. And as you partake, you're reenacting that day that He gave His life and He became sin so that you could become righteous. Today, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll never really know who I am. Today, you're going to discover Him on a whole new level. It's a prophetic sign. It's glory to glory. And when we drink this, when we drink this, when we drink His blood and we eat His flesh because it's been made whole, this is holy juice right now. This is going to be such a time of reverence and awe and respect and excitement. You know why? Because when Jesus took His last breath, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. We're getting to... This is why Jesus said, with desire, I have desire. Because me and you, we get to partake of communion in the very presence of God today. Like there is no more veil between the natural and the spiritual world. This is why with desire, He desired to have this meal. Because of what was getting ready to happen. It says... I don't remember what it was I was even going to say. But listen, with desire I have desired. Listen, it's a holy thing. It's a holy thing. Guys, the Word says, the Word says that when Jesus gave His life, He went to heaven and He presented His blood on the altar of heaven. And he stood face to face with God on your behalf. And when God looked at Jesus, he saw you. That's what this represents. This represents the fact that the Bible says in Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 10, that you now stand before God holy and blameless without any fault and any blemish. This represents your righteousness. This represents your healing. This represents your provision. This represents all bondages broken. Listen, when you partake this morning, something is going to happen to you because it's been consecrated. It's been set apart. It is made holy. It's just juice. No, it's His blood. It's just the wafer. No, it's His flesh. And we're going to reenact what happened that day. And be careful. Because the Bible says that when Jesus bowed His last breath and the veil was torn, that the dead came back from the grave. I always find that interesting. I can't wait to see that on video. The Bible says that they came up out of the grave and they hung out in the graveyard until His resurrection. For three days, dead people spent three days in the graveyard and then went into Jerusalem to meet people 
when he, when he rose again. They came up out of the grave when He took His last breath. When the veil was torn, they came up out of the grave and they hung out in the graveyard for three days until He was resurrected. That's totally a side note, but that's just absolutely amazing and I can't wait to understand. There's so much revelation in that. I don't know what it is right now, but we're going to walk out. It's going to be so good. But listen, we're getting ready to do this right here. But I want you to get an expectation. This is not about, yeah, but. This is not about, what if. This is about, listen, this is not about the children of Israel when it said, they, they came to the Red Sea, and they began to fear, and they began to fret, and they began to doubt. And the Bible says that God, you know what God did? He showed up anyway. Because God's coming. God's about to enter into your story in here in just a few minutes. He's coming. You know, the Bible says that it wasn't until they saw the the sea split and they walked across on dry ground that they turned around and then they believed His report and they sang His praise. Then it says they soon forgot. See, if we're waiting to see it before we offer our hallelujah, we'll soon forget what we saw and we'll be right back where we were. So it's time right now for you to raise a hallelujah in the presence of your enemies. It's time for you to raise a hallelujah for everything He's done for you. It's time for you to raise a hallelujah for what's about to happen in you. Because we're about to reenact the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Come on! Y'all ready for some new wine? It's time to shift your mindset. Maybe you've never taken it like this before. You know what? New wine's a whole lot better than the old wine. And it's time to shift your mindset. Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, some people won't immediately desire the new because they say the old way is better. What have you ever gotten from the old way? Turn your engine on. Come on. Just start raising a hallelujah right now for what's about to happen. Just raise a hallelujah from your own voice. Just your own voice right now. Just raise a hallelujah. Some of you need to literally get up and raise a hallelujah right now. Raise a hallelujah. Raise your voice. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter. This is your life. This is your situation. This is your circumstance that He paid His price for. He gave His life for it. He shed His blood. He gave His body to be broken. Raise the hallelujah in the presence of all the voices that say it won't happen, that it can't happen, that you don't deserve it. Raise the hallelujah. Raise the hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Yes, louder than the unbelief. (laughs) I'm going to praise in the middle of a storm. Out of the ashes. You're going to hear my praises roar. Come on. Let your praises roar. Yes. Hope is.
is alive. Yes, hope is alive. Praise the hallelujah. <laughs> Ushers, let's do this. Let's do this. Just remain standing. Stand to your feet. We're called to take the Lord's Supper in joy. The Bible says that when they left out, maybe before we're done, we can worship in a quick worship song. The Bible says when they left from that supper that night, they left singing a song. Yeah, right? Come on. Get excited this morning. Come on, this is so good. We're about to reenact the very death, burial, and resurrection. And if we reenact it, we're about to experience everything that happened when He said, It is finished. Come on. You don't deserve it. You don't need to figure it out. You don't need to understand this. You just need to enjoy what's about to happen to you right now. Isn't that powerful? I don't know. Let's give God an opportunity to show us. Let's give Him a stage to operate. And let's give Him a place of faith for Him to land. Come on. It's good. So just as we pass this out, I want you to stay in an atmosphere of praise. I want you to stay in an atmosphere of thanksgiving. I want you to continue to raise your hallelujah in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of that unbelief. It's not your unbelief. It's not your unbelief. It's just unbelief that tries to come to you to tell you that it can't, that it won't, that it will never happen. Raise a hallelujah as we do this. Stay in the atmosphere of expectation. Woo! The yoke has been destroyed because of the anointing. You are, you are holding in your hand the very flesh of the Son of God. You are reenacting that very day right now. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah. And as you have that in your hand, I want you to go back when Jesus said in John chapter 6, In John chapter 6, Jesus said, Stop stop working and striving for the meat that perishes. But start going after and giving all of your energy to that meat that endures unto the eternal life which the Son of Man shall give you. Thank you for the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. You know what I hear? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hear an excitement in heaven right now. Because there's a group of people standing in expectation because they're about to reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of their Lord and of their Savior. Because heaven sees a group of people that's about to experience everything that redemption carries. You have been redeemed and you should let let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Yes. Woo! Yes, yes. Heaven comes to fight for you today. Ha ha ha! Yeah! Yeah! 
has destroyed that doubt. Heaven has destroyed that disease. Heaven has destroyed that lack. Heaven has destroyed those addictions right now. That's right. Amen. Yes. Yes. Come on, raise a hallelujah. Here comes the blood. Woo! Here comes the blood. Yes. This is my blood that I shed for you for a new covenant. This covenant, it's between me and my Father. It's all about you, but it's not about what you've done. It's not about what you will do. It's about what I've done. This blood's about me. This blood's about me. This blood's about me. But it's all about you. It's all about you. And it's all about you. Come on. Defeated. The king is alive. Yes. Ha! I got news for the enemy. The king is alive today. And we're about to stir ourselves up in remembrance with the blood that he shed and the flesh that was torn. Because when the flesh was torn, the veil was torn. Woo! Come on, sing a little louder. Yeah, your mountain needs to hear your voice and this is your opportunity. Sing a little louder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Sing it. Sing a little louder. Yeah. Sing a little louder. Yeah. Presence of my enemies. The unbelief. Bends on the melody. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Woo! In the middle of... Sing it! Sing it! You're going to hear my praises roar. Yeah! Hope will arise. Right now, hope is rising from the ashes. Woo! Come on! Yeah! Because He lives, we live! Woo! Come on! Sin has been annihilated! Ha ha ha! Hope will arise. Death is defeated. Come on! Come on! Raise, raise the blood. Raise the flesh. Raise it up to heaven. Let heaven know you believe. You don't understand it. You don't understand what's going on right now. But heaven, I believe. Heaven, I receive. Heaven, I'm open. 
I'm open to whatever it is you want to do today. I'm ready to reenact. I'm ready to reenact this right now. Heaven, my heart is open. Heaven, I don't care what anyone says. I'll raise the hallelujah right now. Yes! Woo! You see it? When you sing. Yes! Come on! Lift the flesh! Lift the blood! Yes! It's your banner of victory this morning! Oh, what's getting ready to happen, church? Oh! Woo! What is it that you need from the Lord this morning? What is His promises? But yes and amen, that's what the Lord says to you this morning. Yes! Yes, child! Amen, child! You have reminded me, child... It's the blood and it's the flesh. atmosphere. Yeah. Raising the hallelujah. Yeah, just keep it up. Taking bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And He gave it. And He said, this is my body given for you. Eat it. And remember me. Eat it. (laughs) Woo! The veil is torn from the top to the bottom. The veil has been torn. We have been made holy. We have been made accepted in His sight right now because the body has been broken. Woo! Oh, can you imagine what heaven is like right now? The party, the joy. Come on. He did the same with the cup. After saying, this cup, this is the new covenant. Right now, you hold in your hand the new covenant. The new covenant. You hold in your hand redemption. You hold in your hand salvation. You hold in your hand healing. You hold in your hand deliverance. You hold in your hand 
forgiveness. You hold in your hand never-ending, never-failing love from the Father above. You hold in your hand righteousness. Woo! All you got to do is drink it. And you become one with it. You're about to drink everything Jesus is. Therefore, you're about to become everything He has. Woo! Yeah, fear, you've lost your hold on me. I'm about to get drunk on the new wine right now. Come on, be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This represents the Holy Spirit of promise that has been given to you as a ring. Woo! He did the same with the cup after supper said, This cup is the new covenant written in my blood and poured out for you. Drink it now and remember me. Come on, raise your own hallelujah. So 
Yeah. Yes. Ha. There's a song on your heart this morning. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes, yes. Come on. walked out singing a hymn hearts full of joy the disciples didn't understand everything Jesus said that night one of you would betray me they looked around Judas Judas got up they thought he was just going to go do something come on they didn't understand everything that was going on that night and you don't have to understand everything that just happened in you you just have to know that it happened come on Come on, you think you think the disciples were, were, were people that had figured it all out? The Bible says right after they did the Lord's Supper, they started arguing over who was greater. And you know what? Jesus was so full of compassion, He still introduced them to the kingdom. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the disciples. It's about the flesh that was broken and the blood that was shed. That's what it's about. You have what you have because He did what He did. All we're doing is stirring ourselves up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And all of the sons and daughters of God said, It is finished. Amen. <laughs>